This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Uh, what is up, hockey fans? A lot is up is the answer to that question. I'm Ben Goetz, the Las Vegas Review Journal, here with the Golden Edge Podcast. And we're here to break down some surprising... Golden Knights news. I'm here with colleague Adam Hill. Our uh, colleague David Shane is in Ottawa, still scrambling to make sense of the news that the Golden Knights fired the, at this point still, only coach in franchise history, Gerard Gallant. They've hired Peter DeBoer to replace him, but of course DeBoer has not coached a game with the team yet. We have so much to talk about with this like super surprising news. Before we do, I just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We are also presented by Untucket today. Make sure to check out all our coverage at ReviewJournal.com because we will get, of course, very in-depth on this podcast. But we will have a lot of coverage up on our website as well. Uh, Adam, were you prepared for a lovely, relaxing Wednesday as I was when you were shaken out of bed this morning to some certain news? Um, I, I was prepared for a wild and crazy Wednesday because Conor McGregor is in town. and Who? You know, yeah, some guy that's making his return to the UFC. He's got a press conference scheduled for this evening. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it would be a crazy day. I didn't expect it to start at 7.30 a.m. with you know a, an email popping in, popping up on my phone uh, from the Golden Knights saying that they had not only fired Coach Gerard Gallant, uh, which, surprising in its own right, for sure, uh, this, this was something that was kind of whispered about a little bit last year and then kind of went away. And this year I know that there were some times where fans were like, time to fire Gallant, but really no steam to the news at all. And then, But not only do they fire him, they have a permanent replacement in place, ready to go. Already ready to go. And now the clowns are running the circus. <laughs> this is this is crazy. And, and I'm not taking a shot at DeBoer. I'm just obviously making reference to Gallant calling him a clown last year. The fans of the Golden Knights calling DeBoer a clown and you know wearing showing the clown signs and all the stuff that they did. Um, it's it's very very shocking. Uh, everything's still trying to get processed right now. A little bit of you know exactly how this all came together. We heard Kelly McCrimmon say it just happened in the last 24 hours. I'm not sure if I believe that Kelly. By the way, I'm not sure if I do either. Except it clear it, it clearly was something that came together fairly quickly because they had this all in place. They're ready to go, and I think it's one of those things. The Golden Knights hate like information getting out. Like when they have something, most teams you see stuff. All right, this is going to happen. There's reports of it's going to happen. The Golden Knights are locked up super tight. And I think that they wanted to do this before 
you know, anything got out to anybody that they were even having conversations with the board or what, what was going on. And I think you can you can kind of expect that it came together quickly because it would have made a lot of sense if this was a developing thing to do it. I don't know. You have a bye week coming up. Like maybe do it during the bye week. So yeah, I, I think during the is, uh, bye week, your now ex-coach was supposed to be coaching the Pacific Division All-Star Which tar- would have been All-Star hilarious. Team, which is now in question. Yeah. It, there's so many dangling threads, and we'll try to get to as many of them yeah. as we can. Uh, like I said, just the bizarre nature of not only is uh, Gerard Gallant out as Gold Knights coach, but the ex-coach of the Knights' chief rival is replacing him. Um, it certainly seems like this has been a change that, though obviously they didn't move on it until today, that the Knights have been contemplating for a while, not necessarily maybe the Peter DeBoer part, but certainly the Gerard Gallant part. That certainly seemed to be what General Manager Kelly McCrimmon intimated today at his Ottawa press conference. Uh, Gallant was fired, of course, after last night's 4-2 loss at the Buffalo Sabres. That was the Golden Knights' fourth straight loss, first one on the road. They are 24-19-6 as we sit here uh, early Wednesday afternoon. They are the first team out of the playoff picture if the playoffs were to begin today. They, have, of course, lost more games than they have won if you don't count the loser point overtime games. So they certainly have overachieved this season, and that's as much as what McCrimmon said today. I mean, we looked at this roster entering the season, and we said that forward group is should be deep and incredible. Blue line's a little bit of a question, but you've got a potential Hall of Fame goaltender. This team should compete for the Pacific Division title again, if not just outright win it because they're that talented. Now, they're still only three points out of first place in the Pacific Division, but they certainly haven't gotten what we all expected out of this roster so far. Well, they haven't, but, I mean, you, you do have to look a little bit deeper at some of those uh, some of those things. Like You can say that Marc-Andre Fleury is a Hall of Fame goaltender because he is, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Is he playing like that this year? No. And if you want to look at you know reasons what that why they, that may have happened, certainly he's he's been going through a whole lot. Uh, off the ice like he's had to deal with the death of his father and everything that goes along with that and and dealing with his family and all the emotions that are poured into that so yeah he's had that but he hasn't been playing to that high level if you just want to look at the bottom line facts of it he hasn't so he's let him down a little bit the the defensive you know group is not the greatest I think that they've you know they certainly haven't put up much production offensively defensively there's been lapses that's been an issue but I think the other issue that you can look at is there. If you look at some of the advanced numbers, their expected goals, especially in five on five, is very, very high. Uh, I believe, as of last time I checked, they were first in the league in expected goals at five on five, but they are far from first in the league in actually scoring. So they are generating chances. So if you if you look deeper and say, is it on the coach to finish the chances or is it to create the chances? I would say. If if a team is creating chances, the coach is probably his system is probably working. It's probably doing some things right. But we've also pointed out at times some of those chances have gone to guys that aren't the ones you would expect you would want to have those chances. Uh, and so you know that plays into it a little bit. But wh- whatever it is, the team is not living up to the expectations that were set. And so these are the things you know these things happen when teams don't live up to expectations. Drugland almost is a victim of what happened in year one. And when you when you take a team that was that nothing was expected of that is picked to finish last in points in the entire league, last in the division, just be a disaster as most expansion teams are, and you make a run to the Stanley Cup final, all of a sudden you've created these these expectations that are probably unfair. And so, you, and if you don't live up to them, these things happen. People here in Las Vegas can remember uh, the Dave Rice era at UNLV, where 
he was he was he was recruiting players to a level that people said, oh, they should be in the Final Four, and then you win twenty games or twenty one games, they're like, eh, that's not good. Well, it is good, but it's not good because you've set these expectations of something incredibly higher. So uh, in this case, Gerard Gallant having the success that he had ultimately, I think, is part of his undoing. Yeah, I mean, he did almost too good a job, especially that inaugural season. He won wins the Jack Adams Award for best coach in the NHL. He, of course, wins the Western Conference with a five-game defeat of the Winnipeg Jets, loses to the Capitals then in five games, brings them back to the playoffs last year. You know, obviously we're, we're going to can argue for eternity whether the Knights should have won that first-round series against the uh, clown-led San Jose Sharks. <laughs> uh, ultimately, they didn't get it done. Probably wasn't coaching, uh, ultimately, in Game 7 that cost him. Gallant certainly had that team it seemed like peaking at the right time until it wasn't yeah. and then of course this year they've been kind of underachieving but even still you know he's made some good coaching moves this season certainly the move to rectifying their defensive system looked like it was working early on he's always been a good offensive coach I mean you mentioned their expected goals numbers I mean he has been kind of every stop of his career known as a guy who really really helps you know an offensive system and then you know maybe has some more deficiencies because of that in the defensive system, which certainly the Knights were having this year. Till he kind of made some tweaks that seemed to fix some things, and then you know both I think because of goaltending, talent, and you know just overall underperformance, the team didn't respond as well these last couple games. So you know you mentioned the early success played into it. I want to talk about maybe the success of a team last year playing into this. Did the fact that the St. Louis Blues fired their head coach, Mike Yo early in the season, brought in Craig Berube, and then made a run from worst to literal first Stanley Cup champions play a factor at all in your mind? Because that was a case of Mike Yo, who, like Gerard Gallant, I think is considered a little bit more of a player's coach. And then you go to a guy in Craig Berube who, you know, reportedly basically went into the Blues locker room and pointed at a bunch of different players and said, you need to be better. You're not playing up to your potential. I need more out of you. And then kind of turned him around. Do you see parallels there with Peter DeBoer, who's known, you know, I think his reputation is less of a player's coach, more as a guy who's willing to kind of needle some guys to try to motivate them? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you you look at it, it, all sports are copycat leagues. Like people talk about the NFL being copycat league, copycat league, all sports are. And so you see something that works, and hey, maybe that works for us too. Uh, we will see if that's part of what goes into it. If, if, you know, if that's part of their thinking as we kind of get further and further away from this, you know, more and more will be said and uh, we'll find out. I think it's two of the last four in the NHL actually uh, have fired their coach. It's a very common thing because yeah. obviously that happened with Craig Berube, like I said, with St. Louis Blues. Mike Sullivan won back to back Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins after being uh, promoted midseason in the first of those two back to back Stanley yeah. Cup runs by the Penguins. It's kind of become a trend. Yeah, two of the last four uh, champions have fired their coach midseason. So, uh, maybe that's that's part of what weighs into it. I, I my biggest you know thought on this as far as what happened is that there never was a lot of cohesion between Gallant and Gallant and the front office. And you know I, I think it worked because they were successful, and it was kind of covering up a little bit of you know maybe what was going on. But my thought is there never there never was that like super trust. I don't I don't think there was necessarily a lot of uh, love between them, uh, and I think they just existed as as in a business relationship. And at some point, uh, you know, you're if that's the case, you might be looking for for a way out. 
And to me, the the losing streak, falling out of, out of the playoff spot, uh, not being there right now, even though it's it's you know in a f- small fraction of percentage uh, that they're that they're out of right now, uh, that becomes an easy easy time to say, hey, you know what? It never really worked for us. You're out of here. And and that just seems to be to me what it was. And there's also, and I saw some other some national people writing about this that uh, Kelly McCrimmon is a guy who has been a coach and. I think you kind of see things differently. If if you're if you've been a coach before, you look at it and say, "Hey, listen, I think that the coach can do better, and I think there's more the coach can do, and maybe I'll get a different guy in." And I think the front office now is kind of making that stand uh, to where, "Hey, it's on him. It's the coach, and if this doesn't fix things, then they start to get looked at later." Yeah. So I want to actually dive into kind of more what you said there and Gallant's relationship potentially with the front office and what McCrimmon might be seeing. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Ever seen an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Well, because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirt looks great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Now, I kind of fall in the tall and somewhat slim category, you know, like I try to work on my figure. Uh, And these shirts fit me great. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. So I want to actually kind of get back to Gerard Gallant's hire date because that's kind of fascinating to me. He gets hired, you know, in April of 2017 leading into the Golden Knights inaugural season. And I don't know what your reaction was, Adam, but mine at the time was, oh, this is a really good hire. He'll be the guy that gets him to the guy. And what I mean by that is that Jorglant had this well-earned reputation as a players coach, a guy who was willing to give young players a lot of rope when he was both with the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Florida Panthers previously. He was a finalist for the Jack Adams Award in Florida before uh, unceremoniously being fired and getting into a, a taxi cab that he called himself. Yeah. Uh, but it seemed like the perfect Free kind Uber. of yeah. Or do you think he just doesn't have? I think he's a non-Uber guy. I think it would be a non, I think even if Uber was more prevalent in the day, he yeah, wouldn't have Ubered. I think so too. Um, but he seemed like the perfect kind of guy of like, oh, this is a guy who's going to empower players who are you know cast off from other organizations, give them a lot of rope, let them find their game, and then in two or three seasons, you know, because we all expected the Knights to be pretty bad over the first two or three seasons, when the Knights are actually on the cusp of we think actual contention. They will replace him with someone else. Now, he blew away my expectations. I think he blew away (laughs) everyone's expectations. He shut me up. He proved me wrong. But I wonder if in the back of their heads, that was what George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon were thinking too, of like, this is the perfect guy to bring this franchise off the ground with, but we don't know if he's the guy that we think is going to be on the bench when we're actually competing for Stanley Cups. And like I said, he... If that's if they thought that Jargalant proved them wrong, you just straight up proved them wrong. But is that ink, was that inkling still in the back of their head of like eventually we want to make the move to what we see as a more 
proven quote unquote high level coach because at the time Gerard Gallant had only made one playoff run. Yeah, I, I think that's possible, but I I just think it was more of a personality thing, uh, and I just to me there was just never. Yeah, I used the word cohesion before. Like they just were never really completely on the same page, even though winning kind of masks all that and covers it. And so I think that was all boiling under the surface, even though you know from the outside it looks like, hey, how could things be going better there? This is an expansion team that made a run to the Stanley Cup final, that made the playoffs the second year, maybe would have been the favorite to win the Stanley Cup had the Game Seven call not gone the way that it did. Like all those things covered up anything that was going on here and this year it's just the expectations are sky high they're not performing to that same level it became an easy move to make in, in my mind uh, and let's also not forget i i thought Gallant was going to leave on his own because i thought he was absolutely going to go take the detroit job at some point like he, him and steve eisman are close certainly the, the the red wings have not had a whole lot of success lately they want to get back to that level Gallant has proven he can you know make runs to the stanley cup final that's where they want to get like I thought, everything was in place to go there, and now it really is. Now it really is. He's, Though he's also, uh, if I were uh, Ron Francis, who's currently running uh, Seattle, Seattle, yep, Seattle's an interesting one too because Glenn has been through it. I would, I would say, I would make uh, him my first phone call. Yeah, Ron Francis, get on a plane to Prince Edward Island today. So it it, it sucks for Gerard Gallant to to be out of work right now, but he's in a <clears throat> excuse me, he's in a pretty good place. Uh, as far as which job he wants to take next, because I'm sure there's going to be plenty of suitors, and both of those jobs make a ton of sense. So now, if he wants, and they both want him, he can kind of play them against each other. <laughs> It'll be like, all right, well, I'm going to go somewhere. Where's it going to be, and who's going to pay me the most? What's Where am I going to get the best deal? And Detroit, certainly closer, as you mentioned, uh, to PEI, where Jargalant uh, likes to go anytime he has like a day off like to try to sneak away there. Uh, so that's an easier flight. Maybe maybe that works out better for him too. Yeah, I think you know we're both expecting at some point Gerard Glenn is going to be behind a bench again. There's just no question in my mind that if he feels, I still hope it'll be for the All Star game. That would be really funny. I still think he should uh, coach it. Yeah, so he's 56 years old. You know, as far as we know, I don't think he necessarily has any plans to retire right away. I think he will be in demand, as you know, clearly several other fired coaches was this year. The Knights hired a coach that yeah. was fired previously this year um and so i th- think just the one thing is kind of we talked about his relationship with the front office and maybe the fact that i think he maybe didn't push this roster in a way that the knights wanted it to be pushed like we've said in a number of times he's a player's coach he doesn't make changes to his lineup for the sake of making changes it's usually deliberate thought out even that uh defensive zone system change that we've mentioned a number of times on this podcast and in articles we've written for ReviewJournal.com, have mentioned that that was thought out, that they had talked about it in the summer and then just didn't decide to make the change until November 27th because he wanted to make sure that it was the right thing. And so maybe there's a notion that this team has gotten a little complacent because he's pretty good to them. I mean, he gives them days off when he thinks they need days off. He doesn't you know, do things to light a fire under them just to do it he's not really a guy that's going to mess with playing time that much just because he thinks it might give a guy a little extra motivation and i think it's, it's it's also very interesting you know we talked about all the slow starts that they've had recently it was it's interesting that just on the heels of a couple of days after saying it's not my job to get them to start better that this happens and I, I don't think it has anything to do with it i don't think it's correlated but it is just kind of an interesting timeline of hey our starts are terrible what's going on i don't know that's not my job and now you're fired. I think it, that might be, though, like, as you said, I, th- 
I agree with Galan actually that these are professional athletes yeah. and that they should be able to get themselves up for games. But I do wonder if that's kind of the central tension here where Gerard Gallant, like I said, is a player's coach and he gives his players a lot of rope. And he's, I think, a coach that says, I'm going to either look really smart because I empowered my players or really dumb because I gave my players too much rope. And in the midst of this kind of losing streak in general underperformance all season, I think maybe the Knights upper management said, you are giving them too much rope. We want someone who we think is going to have a little bit of a firmer grip on the wheel to whip some of these guys that are underperforming like a William Carlson, let's say, or an Alex Tuck, or we talked about Nate Schmidt recently. I mean, both goaltenders, you know, maybe they think Peter DeBoer is going to be the ones that are kind of going to wake those guys out of their doldrums. Well, Peter DeBoer has had trouble with goaltenders himself in San Jose. Yes, Uh, we'll we'll get into that. that. Uh, So I don't know that he fixes that. Um, And and I think it makes sense in in the grand scheme of things, and you kind of alluded to it, but just going back into it of... Hey, you've got these young players, and, and you remember the narrative of the first year was chip on the shoulder, guys that had kind of been cast off from other organizations. You've got this players' coach to be it, to be in there with them and saying, "Hey, guys, just get out there and play, do your thing. I'm with you. Like, you know, we're a team together." And and they, he kind of let them thrive and let them achieve. But now that's not those. It's not the same. They've got these long term contracts for the most part. You've got guys who now went from nobody believes in me to now you're an established star, and a lot of is expected of you. And maybe that same kind of attitude, that same hey guys, like just go out there and do your thing and just play, and I'm not going to get in your way. Uh, maybe that just doesn't work with guys that are at this level of their career as it did with guys that were the castoffs. Yeah, and I think what you brought up there is interesting because, you know, before the All-Star game and Gerard Gallant was talking a little bit about his coaching style. This was actually in the wake of, you know, firings of uh, Jim Montgomery, Bill Peters resigned, Mike Babcock, of course, was fired and then embroiled in controversy for, you know, kind of pitting players against each other. And Gallant said, well, I hope that my players think of me as their teammate. And maybe this is, like I said, the Knights management saying, we don't want you to be their teammate we want you to be their boss and the guy that they're hiring now to be the boss uh, we can get into is peter DeBoer. he was fired december 11th after uh, a really good run with the san jose sharks he was 198 129 and 34 in parts of five seasons with the sharks he took them to the stanley cup final in his first year lost to the pittsburgh penguins before that he was coach of the new jersey devils for parts of four seasons he took them to the stanley cup final in his first year there where they also lost and before that he was with the florida panthers for three seasons um peter DeBoer has always you know been thought of as a really good coach who's gotten a lot out of that sharks roster which was you know in fairness set up to win now but you know poorest goaltending we talked about martin jones and aaron dell have been awful this year they've continued to be mostly awful since DeBoer got fired. That roster has not, you know, responded to Peter DeBoer leaving. They are a little bit aging. They're up against the salary cap. They had to let their captain, Joe Pavelski, go this offseason. They were counting on some younger players to backfill some roles, and that didn't happen. Now, Peter DeBoer, in an interview with The Athletic, which I believe are the only public comments I've seen from him since he got fired, uh, took some responsibility for the Sharks' struggles this season, too, but you have to wonder in the back of your mind, did Kelly McCrimmon go, not only are we thinking about making a change, but there's a guy who's led a, two different teams to the Stanley Cup final available. Like he's just chilling. Yeah. And whether that made this decision a little bit easier. And who is not only going to be hungry 
to you know be on the bench again and to be a coach and to have a team that can compete, but also you know against the team that fired him. And and, and you know it's not like the Sharks are. How the team sad that is fighting. it that they don't play the Sharks again this year? I know it's awful. I mean, maybe the Sharks make a run and make the playoffs. Like they're not that far out of it. That would be great. That'd be a wonderful, you know, third straight year to have that that series again. Um, but next year, you know, it'll be fun when they go against each other. I saw, and I know you saw the tweet too, or the the quote too, because you uh, retweeted as did I. But a uh, quote from Joe Thornton: "All I know is Vegas is getting a really good coach." And so, you know, I, I don't think there's there's you know lingering animosity there. They're you know saying, saying yeah, the right Jumbo Joe nice. loves him some Peter DeBoer. Yeah, no uh, question. The same guy, Kevin Kurz, the Athletic reported in a really good story. That Joe Thornton basically got a beer with DeBoer the night he got fired. Yeah. That DeBoer had a couple assistant coaches, went out for a beer, and Joe Thornton was there too. Nice. That's awesome. And so he, you know, I think it was probably fair that DeBoer's time with the Sharks to maybe run its course, especially because that direction of that franchise is definitely uncertain right now with all the long-term contracts they have on the books and they're an older roster. But I think there's no doubt that he was certainly respected there. Yeah. And people thought he got a lot out of a very talented team. And I, I will tell you, you know, having been around him a little bit, you know, the, the first year uh, in the playoffs, I was kind of the the beat guy for San Jose on the other side. I know people here in Vegas love that we did that, uh, had some coverage from the other side. But, you know, being around DeBoer for two weeks there and then a little bit last year uh, in the playoffs as well. Uh, he has a, a nickname in the among the media there of Prickly Pete. Prickly Pete, and uh, I, I think that's fair. Like he can he can he can get um, a little agitated at times, as as Gallant has uh, when he's been here. Uh, so not a whole lot of differences, maybe be, in how they're going to handle uh, you know answering questions and that sort of thing. I think there's going to be a lot of similarities there. Uh, but you know this will this will be. Uh, a major change, obviously, at the at the top, and and how things are run, and how they deal with players. I know I just saw the Derek England uh, comment that today is a wake up call. Uh, you would think that they would have already gotten that wake up call at some point, but yep. uh, this is definitely uh, one of those things where the players look around, and I, I think for the most part, I haven't heard many negative words about Gallant in the locker room, um, and so I, I think he was he was pretty well uh, liked there. Uh, so. You know, if if the guys, you know, if they if they feel like, hey, our underperforming, our struggles this year just cost the guy that we love the job, uh, that could, I mean, that could go either way, I suppose. I mean, it, it could be, you know, a lot of times you see new coaches come in and teams take off from there. Uh, that happens in all sports. There's like a there's a old you know sports betting philosophy about betting on teams that have uh, replaced their coach for the first few games. It's just you usually get that little bit of a jump, but you know we'll see how the Golden Knights respond to this. I would think somewhat favorably. I would think, as you said, the accountability factor of of what DeBoer does and how he does things. I'm sure he's going to try to make some big you know lineup move. Like hey, this is going to happen just just to kind of put his mark on things early on, uh, and we'll see how the team kind of responds to all that. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing to see how guys respond and see what, you know, lineup tweaks he may make. I think the point that you make about, you know, the gambling thing is a good one because that's an old, I know, soccer thing of you bet on the teams that just sacked their manager because usually when someone gets fired, it's because the team is underachieving and statistically they're likely to then regress to the mean and you could 100% say that about the Golden Knights. I mean, you mentioned their expected goals numbers. Uh, advanced statistics five on five love the golden Knights. Yeah. if you look at certain charts they are you know if you want to believe this one of the quote-unquote most unlucky teams because they create a ton of scoring chances but don't finish them 
Now, is part of that because the Knights don't have a ton of high-level finishers? Absolutely. I mean, Tampa Bay Lightning can finish a lot of their high-danger changes because Nikita Kucherov is really good yeah. at paying the puck, putting the puck in the net, and that's why you pay guys like him and Phil Kessel a lot of money because they turn scoring chances into goals. That being said, the Knights do feel, and I would have felt this way even under Gallant. I believe if people want to listen to our last podcast before this, I certainly made this pretty clear. I thought they were going to rebound anyway. I thought the talent was certainly there for them to rebound. I mean, even, you know, you look at last night's game against the Buffalo Sabres, the Knights certainly at least five on five played better than the Sabres. Now they gave up two power play goals, which is going to doom you a lot of nights, but that wasn't like a poor effort. It wasn't like last night. It was obvious like, oh, they're done with their coach. They're, <laughs> right. they're quitting on their coach. No, yeah. like this is a good, talented team, and that's obviously why it's disappointing that their record is what it is, but you certainly see the makings of like, they can't, they're not going to be awful. Like this is nope. not an awful team. They have talent and you would expect at a certain point that their luck's going to even out the other way. And now Peter DeBoer might be the beneficiary beneficiary of that luck without even having to make major tweaks. Yeah. I was at, I was at like 62% sure that they were going to win the division. Uh, now I'm at like 65. It went up. Yeah. So I, like, I mean, I think, and not just be, not not that I'm saying DeBoer is that much better than Gallant. I, I don't. I, I'm not making that claim right now, even though he he, he certainly has had success everywhere he's been uh, from the minors on up. Um, but it's just more the the change. It's the the signal that is sent, um, and as you said, the numbers you would think are gonna are gonna you know even out to where the Golden Knights start to have more success because of uh, what they're doing on the ice that it's just not paying off right now. But also just that, um, you know, as, as England said, the wake-up call of, okay, now it's time. Like, we've cost somebody their job now. Let's go out and, and do this. So I think for all those factors, I think there's a slightly – in my mind, there's a slightly better chance now than there was – was it five hours ago now uh, when they made, the, made this announcement? Uh, there's a better chance now that they win the division, just slightly, than, than there was before. No, I – I think I agree. I mean, the Pacific Division. I are mean, you going to give your numbers? I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't okay. think about it that deeply, <laughs> okay. as you clearly do. Oh, from sixty-two to sixty-five. But it's really sixty-one point eight to like sixty-five point three. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the Pacific Division is still one hundred percent up for grabs, as we mentioned at the top of the show. The Knights are three points behind the Arizona Coyotes for first place in the Pacific Division. They, of course, the Knights are out of the playoff picture right now. They do have the same number of points. As wildcard teams, Vancouver Canucks and Winnipeg Jets, they just have played more games, so they get bumped out via points percentage. But this is not a team that's just in complete free fall. As you know, general manager Kelly McCrimmon said today, this is a proactive move that they thought, we just need to be better, and so we're going to get ahead of it and hope that this change sparks a run. We'll see if it does. Tomorrow against the Ottawa Senators, that is expected to be Peter DeBoer's first game behind the bench as the Golden Knights coach. It's certainly going to be a fascinating one. Uh, the fact that Mark Stone is now returning to Ottawa for the first time since being traded is now just completely lost. Was that, was, Which I'm were, sure Mark Stone actually loves, not the way it happened. I'm sure. Do you think what criminals just giving him cover? Maybe like, they hey, go back a long we, way. How can we take some of the immediate attention off off Mark Stone and his return? How about this? Let's fire the coach. Yeah, Peter DeBoer is also expected to uh, talk for the first time as the Golden Knights coach. Tomorrow, he is expected to arrive in Ottawa to be with the team either late tonight or early tomorrow morning 
Kelly McCrimmon said. Make sure to check back to ReviewJournal.com where our colleague Dave Shane will have everything you need to know from DeBoer's opening comments as a Golden Knights coach from the game tomorrow in Ottawa. So like I said, ReviewJournal.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, listen to the Golden Edge podcast that we do here too. We felt we owed you guys a bonus episode because of the craziness. Well, something went down. So yeah, of the news that happened today. Uh, our thanks to SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos for sponsoring us. Thanks to Untuck It for helping present us. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. That's Adam Hill. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we will talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.